Second Kings chapter four. <clears throat> uh, look at verse eight. Second Kings chapter four, verse eight. It says this: One day Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there, who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I will know that this is man who often comes our way as a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put it in a bed and a table and a chair and a lamp for him. And then when he can stay there, whenever he comes to us. And this was how the Elisha room came into existence. The guest room in the homes where they would always have a room, a guest room available. One day when Elisha came and he went up to the room and laid down there, he said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shumanite woman. And he, so he called her and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, well, tell her, you've gone through all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? And she replied, I have a home among my people. Well, what can be done for her? Elisha asked. Gehazi said, she has no son, and her husband is old. Then Elisha said, call her. And so he called her and stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arm. The story is set up where this woman is a well-to-do woman. She has everything she, you think you, you would need. She has, she has money. She has property. She has the ability to take care of herself. But the one thing she does not have is a son. The one thing she does not have is a child of her own. And when she went out of her way to be nice because she could, she could hire the people to create the room. She could hire the people to decorate it. She could do everything she could for Elisha as he would go through just so that he would have a place to stay. She had the ability to make things happen, but the one thing she could not do was have a son. And the Bible says that her husband was old. He had no ability to produce a son. Sometimes we get in life where we don't need God. We don't need God because things are good. We have finances, we have food, we have a job, we have security. And if all of this world continues to go the route that it does and there's shortages and the price hikes and all those things that happen with inflation and, and the way that, that our world is, is going towards the end times. We're still okay because we got resources. We got resources. And sometimes we get comfortable because we don't need God. We don't need him because we can supply the things that we have. Now, we love God and we know he's there, but he's not really the center of attention of our life because life is good. But what is consistent is when you are in a position where you know that life is frail and you need a miracle. Who are the, who's the one person people turn to? God. No one would ever complain if I was praying in the spirit, praying in tongues, if we were in an airplane going down. No one would complain. They wouldn't say, please don't do that. That offends me, the way you pray. No, they would say, whatever you do, please do it more. Come on, God, listen to him. Because in urgent situations, we need God. But this woman did it. 
She's not a bad woman. She's not a, a woman that, you know, that, that the Bible describes as someone who just, you know, hey, I don't need your God, but I'll be nice to you. No, she knew he was a man of God, but she was okay. She didn't need any miracles in her life because she could take care of herself. But then the, then the question was, Elisha says, what does she need? And her servant, his servant said, she doesn't have a son. And then he says, call her. Call her. Get her here. Because Elisha is about to declare something that is completely impossible for this woman. And I want us to just see and understand that we have to have a heart that hears God. Elisha heard God in his spirit. God told him she's going to have a son. So what's the first thing Elisha does? Call her. Call her. Because God told me something. I have a message for her. I want you to know that when God speaks to you, he is letting you know he is going to move on your behalf. Call her. I'm going to tell you what God has said. But we sometimes get hesitant. We get afraid to speak what God says because what if we misheard? What if it doesn't come to pass? What if it really wasn't God? I am thoroughly convinced. I am completely convinced that God wants to speak to us. It's, and it's not that hard. It's not that complicated. But we make it complicated because we try to reason with what we hear. We try to reason with what we think. We, we are intellectual people. We are well-to-do people. We know how, to, how this world works. We know what happens when A plus B equals C. We know how things work. But when it comes to the things of impossibility, it's beyond us. And we say, that's just not possible. I want you to know that God is speaking to us. And I believe this, that God is speaking to more people today than he ever has. I believe he is speaking to the church to wake them up because the time is short. I believe there's going to be a great revival when this world finds out who God really is and who Satan really is. They will come back and come to the Lord. I believe that with all my heart. I believe a great revival is coming. But we got to be a people, we got to be a church that speaks what God says. Speaks what God says. Be confident. You know, that's, that's the problem is that we don't want to look bad. You know, I, if, when I go home today, I'm not going to look my wife in the eye and said, hey, God told me I should uh, buy a brand new sports car because I'm getting at that midlife, you know. It's not, it's not because of, you know, my identity issues. It's because God told me. She's going to say, I don't know what God you've been speaking to, but that ain't happening. But when God tells you something and you know it's God, speak it with confidence. Speak it with confidence because he is preparing you for something. You know, God doesn't just tell you things just to make you look like a fool. God doesn't tell you things just to mislead you. I thoroughly believe this. I believe that God never lies. Because that's what the Bible says, that God is not a liar. God is not a man or a son of man that he should speak and not act. He doesn't lie. He doesn't prophesy and not fulfill. He does these things. He's God. And so when God promises you a blessing, promises you, you something, and he says, I want you to believe this, I want you to know this, you better hold on. 
you better hold on. Because God is not saying it just to embarrass you, but he is asking you to trust him. I heard the other day, someone was saying that, and I was washing my car, because I looked at the, the weather app and it says that it was last week it was going to be completely sunny all week long. They even had a little cactus that said it was going to be hot, hot. So I was like, man, thank you, Lord, I'm going to wash my car. And I detailed it. I even opened up the hood. I had some armor all inside. It looked shiny. It was beautiful. And I'm, 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 I'm washing it and I'm drying it and I'm just taking care of her, taking care of it, you know, just, just enjoying it. And what happened the next day? It rained. It rained. And I just, you know, and, and I just laughed. And it reminded me of what someone said, that if we look at things from God's position, from God's viewpoint, we would just laugh. Because, see, Satan is trying to discourage us, trying to get us to doubt, trying to get us to, to get to that place where we just don't trust God, we don't believe God, we don't have faith in God. And, and God is working miracles on our behalf, and he just laughs. Because he's like, you've already won. I imagine, you know, when, when we were speaking of Jasmine lately, and, and he, she's here, and she's applying for different jobs, and she's going through the struggle of just trying to get to this position. If she would have seen it from where God sees it, and we can't, but if we can go back and look at it, what is God doing up there? Jasmine, come on, hold on. It's going to be good. you got to trust me. It's going to be good. It's going to be okay. And you can just see a big smile on his face. Why? Because he knows that one day this is going to happen. And it did. And so if we can look back and see what God is doing in our life, we'll be like. And so when I started laughing because I'm washing my car and all of a sudden it's, it rained, I was like, man, God. You know, if I could only see the end. If I could only see it from your position, I would just laugh because I know it's going to be okay. So I wiped my car off and I, you know, so it doesn't dry with all those spots on there and it looked just as good. And then it rained again the next day. <laughs> I said, okay, God. And I said, now you're laughing at me. Okay. <laughs> but if we just see things from God's perspective, it should make us smile because we know it's going to be good. We know that it's going to be good. Because he doesn't say things just to mislead you. He doesn't give you dreams and, and desires in your heart just to mislead you or to give you false hope. He speaks things that will come to pass. We have to believe that. And so here's this woman. She doesn't really need anything. The servant says she doesn't have a son. And Elisha hears God and he says, call her. And so he called her and she stood in the doorway. And this is what he said. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. I am telling you that God is not going to mislead you. He is not going to give you false hope. You have to trust in the faithfulness of God. And even though it is impossible, he will give you hope. And I like that she says, please, man of God, don't mislead your servant, because I can just imagine what she's thinking. Well, maybe I'll adopt a boy. Maybe I'll adopt some. Maybe some mother just can't take care of their child. And so, so I will hold that child, maybe. And you start to rationalize, start to figure things out. 
It is not our job to figure out the details of the story. It is our job to continue to go forward and to just continue to trust and believe that God will do what he says. He will not mislead you. And I love this. I like verse 17. But the woman became pregnant. And the next year, about the same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elijah had told her. The woman became pregnant. I'm telling you, there is a process to trust and belief. And sometimes you have to participate in the process. Because this was not a virgin birth. So she had to believe it enough to look at her husband and said, Hey, um, you know that man of God that comes through and he does all those miracles and all that? Yeah, yeah. And he sits down and he's curious because she made him his special meal, meatloaf. I don't know why that came into my mind, but meatloaf? Who, who wants meatloaf, right? <laughs> so meatloaf. <laughs> Sounds good, though. Anyways, she makes him this special meal and... You know, puts on, you know, Kenny G in the background and says, you know, you remember that guy that comes through and stays at our house? Yeah, yeah. You know what he told me? Oh, you know what he told me? What? What, dear? <laughs> I was going to have a son, uh, a little boy of my own. What? Yeah. So she told him. And guess what happened? She became pregnant. Sometimes you got to participate in faith. You know, God, when God tells you something, you got to act like it's going to happen. When God says to trust him, you got to act like it's going to happen. When God says to stay strong, you got to act like it's going to happen. When God told the, told the people, be strong, do not be afraid, be strong and courageous, you have to act like, you have to participate, you have to cross the Jordan, you have to take a step, you have to do something in order for God to move because he made you a promise, but you still have to participate. This requires us not to be living in fear, not to be living in doubt, but to act like God is going to do it. When all of the food was, or all of the people were before Jesus and the disciples came to him and had five fish or five breads and two fish, Jesus said, sit them down, get them in groups, get them ready. Because Jesus was having them participate in the miracle and he told the disciples, take this and give it to the people. Jesus acted like God was going to do something on his behalf. And we must be the same. We must act. We must take steps of faith. If God promises you something, go for it. Now you have to wait for his timing and you have to understand that God has a process. I understand that. But you've got to live like it. If, if God told us that there is absolutely nothing greater than anything except what is inside of us, why do we live in fear and doubt and worry? If God told us that we could do all things through Christ who gives us strength, why do we doubt if we have the ability to make things happen? Because, see, God wants us to act and to participate and to step and to believe that he's God. When he says he's going to do the impossible, believe him and participate in it. You have to believe it. This is why we hear testimonies all the time of people overseas that are having great revivals. There are miracles after miracles after miracles, healing and healing and healings. And yet here in America, it seems so hard because it's like, why? Because we don't believe it. 
people don't have faith that God is going to do it. Because the doctor told me. Because my bank statement told me. Because the history told me. And we believe those things more than God. You have to act like it. You have to participate. So she said, please don't mislead me. But she became pregnant. Verse 18, the child grew old. And one day she went out to his father who was with the reapers. And he said to his father, my head, my head. And the father told his servant, carry it to his mother. After the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother. And the boy sat on his lap till noon and then he died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and then shut the door and went out. And she called her husband and said, please send me to one of your servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly and return. Why go to him today, he asked. It's not even a new moon or the Sabbath. That's all right, she said. So she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, lead on. Don't slow down for me unless I tell you. So they set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. And when, they saw her in the, when he saw her at a distance, the man of God said to Giza, Gehazi, look, there's the Shumanite woman. Run to meet her. And he asked her, are, are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? Everything is all right, she said. That statement is curious to me. Everything is all right. Everything wasn't all right. Her son died. This miracle, this, this boy that came as a result of faith and belief and trust in the man of God and what the word of God said. And she has the, she has the, the first reaction is everything is all right. I think for me, the way I read this is, is in this aspect. Everything's all right. And I don't know if it was because of her faith in, God, in, in the man of God or her faith in Elisha. As much as I believe it was just her trying to say everything's going to be okay. Everything's all right. Everything's okay. Because sometimes we go through some pretty discouraging moments. Sometimes we go through some, some times when we just ask God, why? Why? And we try to settle, our, settle ourselves and say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Everything's all right. And I think sometimes we say this because we haven't heard from God. We don't see him moving. We don't see him doing what he promised. We try to settle our spirits. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's all right. Because we're waiting and we're desperate to hear from God. And this is what I believe she's doing. She wants to hear from the man of God. It says in verse 27, when she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. Gehazi came over to push her away. But the man of God said, leave her alone. She is in bitter distress. But the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. Elisha knew that something was wrong, but God didn't reveal it to him. He didn't know. And so she's there. She's at his feet. This is what she says. Did I ask you for a son, my Lord? Didn't I tell you, don't raise my hopes? There is always some doubt in our heart when we get a miracle or we get relief or we get God does something. There's always, 
there's always something in the back of my mind. Is it going to end? Is it going to stop? Is God going to change his mind? Is God going to abandon me in my time of need? God, can I really trust that things are going the way they are? Don't raise my hopes. I believe that God wants us to raise our hope in him. I do. I believe that God wants us to put high expectations in him. Why? Because he's God. He is not he is not subject to the rules and the, the natural laws of this world. He can do whatever he desires. But she says, don't raise my hope. And Elisha said to Gehazi, tuck your cloak into your belt, take my staff in your hand and run. Don't greet anyone you meet. And if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. Elisha told him to do something. And I believe that if Gehazi would have done it, it would have happened. But this is what she says. But the child's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. I believe that, that when she knew that it was from his mouth that spoke God's word, she wanted him back there to speak it again. We have to trust that God is going to do it. Sometimes he may ask us to do things in different ways. Just in the next chapter, he's going to heal Naaman, and he does it in a very odd way by dipping up and down seven times in the Jordan River. But he didn't even tell him that. He had a servant go and tell him, and it happened after Naaman finally went and did it. I believe that when Elisha spoke that it was going to happen, but this mother was so desperate, he says, I will not leave you. I think it's so important sometimes that even though we put our faith, our trust in God, we cannot leave his presence. We cannot leave his word. This is what I'll be speaking about next week, the importance of God's word. But we cannot leave his word. We must hold on to what he says. And so Gehazi went ahead of them, laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound of response. So Gehazi went back to, met, to meet Elisha and told him, the boy's not awakened. Like I said, I believe that if Gehazi would have done it, it would have worked. But the woman's faith was more in what she could see than what she heard. And because of that, God was going to do a miracle in a different way. We must believe what God speaks. We must put our faith and our confidence in what he speaks. Verse 32, when Elisha reached the house, there was a boy living... Um, there was the boy lying down, dead on his couch, and he went in and shut the door to the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And then he got up from the bed and laid on the boy, mouth to mouth, eye to eye, hand to hands, and he stretched himself out, and the boy's body grew warm. So Elijah, Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room and then got on the bed and stretched out him one more time. The boy sneezed seven times and then opened his eyes. I want to tell you, don't give up the first time it doesn't happen. Don't give up the first time it doesn't happen. God, you, you promised me. Don't give up. God, I tried. Don't give up. God, I really, really believed you. Don't give up. Don't give up. We have to be consistent in our pursuit and our belief of what God promised. Because I can imagine, I could imagine what's going on in Elisha's head. Lord, you promised this boy to her. Why would you take him away? She's treated me so good. Why would you bring heartache to someone that is taking care of me? God, why? But he didn't quit. And he continued to do it. 
And finally, the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. I believe that we give up too quickly. And so this morning, as we bring this to a close, don't give up on what God has promised you. Don't give up on what he has spoken to you. As hard as it may be to believe in the, because of what you see or because of what you're going through or what you're experiencing, it is never, never time to quit. Do not shrink back, but have confidence. Keep going forward knowing that God will never abandon you in your time of need, that God will not mislead you, that God will not tell you something that will not come to pass. I'm telling you, every dream that is in your heart, it is from God. I really do believe that. And I'm not talking about just dreaming to win the lotto so you don't have to worry about anything. I'm talking about those things that are inside of you that give you joy and pleasure because I think God puts those things in our hearts because he knows that those things are what he has designed us for. Years ago, I read in a book about the woman who wanted to be a ballerina dancer. And all she could dream about was being a dancer. But as life goes on and responsibilities happen, she ends up going into getting a career and then she became a mother and, and a mom and, and eventually she gets to the point where she cannot take herself, take care of herself, so they move her into a nursing home. And as she's walking down to her room, she sees in the lobby a record player. And she begins to play the music. And something in her heart as a little kid just remember the music and begin to dance. And then she goes back to her room. And then the next day, she puts that record player on and begins to dance. But this time, she didn't notice someone was there. And then as she continued to do this, the whole room was filled with people just watching. They would bring people down to watch her dance. It brought so much joy to her heart, and it brought so much joy to the people there. And it was a dream that God put in her heart when she was a little girl. Don't give up. Don't quit. Even if it's our very last breath, never give up on what God has promised you, what God has put in your heart. I believe that we need to be people who trust his word. We got to be people who believe what he says. Don't give up. No matter how impossible, don't give up. The good news is that we don't need a man of God to just tell us because we have his word. And what does his word tell us? That he is with us to the very end of the age. His word tells us that he, if we ask anything in his name, he will do it. The word tells us that he is faithful and true. So don't give up on God. Keep pursuing him. Amen.